Welcome back to another episode of Least Talk Forever. Uh, I'm with Kyle this time. Scott's a little bit late. Uh, this is, what, take four, three of recording this episode? Uh, we've experienced a lot of technical difficulties for some strange reason. And it's uh, one of our most important episodes, so we're going to try and get it done for you. It's the trade deadline special. Uh, so we're going to be going over everything that happened uh, within reason. Uh, everything that happened with the Leafs, the trades, who remains on the team, what grade we want to give, um, the ideal line for the rest of the season, uh, can Boston and Tampa, or can Toronto be Boston Tampa, uh, interesting uh, situation with the JVR trade falling through, and thoughts on any bigger trades leading up to the deadline, as well as the third-party broker. And lastly, we're going to be talking about the whole uh, lead-up to the deadline, how the deadline was basically uh, a snooze fest. Uh, so, uh, without further ado, I'll pass it over to Kyle so he can talk a little bit about his favorite player. Actually, before we do that, let's just go over the recap of the trades that Toronto Police made. Which, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, include Toronto made a few different trades. They brought in six different people, I believe. I'm just going to pull up all the trades here. So, it starts with a February 17th trade, which we talked about last week. Uh, we've got the Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Chari trade for Admiral, uh, uh Godet, a first in 2023, a, a third in 2023, and a second in 2024. And then it goes to a February 27th deal, which happens when Toronto acquired Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty, a conditional fifth, and a conditional another conditional fifth in 2024, 2025 for Anderson, Googly off. And a conditional conditional 2025 first rounder and a 2026 second, and then a flurry of three trades that happen in a span of less than an hour on February 28th. We've got Eric Gustafson in a first on the Toronto for Ross and Sandine. Uh, 40 minutes later, we had a third round going to Toronto for Pierre Engvall going to the Islanders, and then the last trade, which kind of full circle for his career. Excuse me, Toronto Police acquired Luke Shen from Vancouver for a 2023 third round pick. Uh, that was a lot, but uh, Kyle, which pick or which trade was your favorite? Yeah, um, the trade I liked was the uh, the one with Chicago, Lafferty, and McCabe. Um, originally, that's the the package that I said I'd wanted before the trade even happened. Um, it turns out it ended up working. Um, yeah, it uh, it covered both of what I thought was their needs. We got McCabe in a stay-at-home defenseman role. You know he can be physical. Um, he's tough, as we saw yesterday, him uh, stick up for Tavares in that big hit that Myers gave to him. He, he was the first one to jump in there, um, and he dropped the gloves with them. Along with uh, he can he can get some points too and uh, be offensive when he needs to. But he's that good stay-at-home defenseman that we needed, and he's under contract. Um, which I liked. And then with Lafferty, um, we needed a gritty bottom six uh, forward. That's what I thought. And he should be able to play that role along with the fact that he, again, is not a rental either. So, um, yeah, that, that was my favorite deal um, out of all of them. And I think it, uh, it satisfied the Leafs' needs the most with acquiring those two players. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be either Jake McCabe or Sam Lafferty. 
I mean, obviously adding Ryan O'Reilly and Nolan Chari was a huge help, but I feel like the bottom six improvement that Sam Lafferty adds and the uh, defensive aspects that uh, Jake McCabe brings to the lineup that Toronto doesn't really have a lot of. They have Brody. Some people say they have Hall, but I don't agree with that. But I'd, besides Brody, I don't really see them having a defenseman on the defensive caliber of of uh, Jake McCabe. So I, I'd, I'd say Sam Lafferty, Jake McCabe. Yeah, and, and the, the thing I think was interesting about that trade is, I mean, not only did you call it, but a lot of people didn't expect that Toronto would be able to pull off two again. You know, they got uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Olachary, but Toronto, no one really expected Toronto to get two people on one deal again. And they pulled it off 10 days after with the Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty, which the last time that we did the podcast was uh, February 23rd. And you actually predicted that whole trade, like not the players going the other way, but the players that you wanted Toronto to get from Chicago. And, and uh, so kudos to you on that one. Uh, For me though, uh, I think it might be the Luke Shen one. Obviously, you saw last night he set the tone within the first 14 seconds of the game. Uh, I think within the first minute he had two hits, and although they didn't credit him with them all, within, I think, eight minutes of the, third, of the first period, he had four. Um, yeah, I mean, I really like Jake McCabe. He seems like a very good uh, defensive, pair, or defensive pairing with uh, T.J. Brody, but I think the Luke Shen one, just for a third, bring him back, bring him back to where it all started, and uh, basically be that element that he – that we that we lacked in the playoffs, and he also they mentioned it last I think last night. Um, he also knows the secret sauce of what makes Tampa click, and if he can help Toronto understand what what makes Tampa so good as a team, then Toronto, Toronto might be able to to shut that one down. What did you, what's your thoughts on the Pierre Engvall deal? I I think Engvall was kind of just brought <laughs> forward out. Um, out uh, with regards to his position and role that he was playing. Um, he's shown to us that he has talent. He has those games where he can be crazy, um, unreal player, but um, he might have one of those games like uh, every five games and then the other four games that he plays is just like, oh my gosh, what are you doing out there? Like just lollygagging. And uh, yeah, I mean, for us to get a third third round pick for a guy that we probably weren't going to resign in the off season, just because um, how much depth we have, even with the guys in the Marlies um, potentially coming up to play, eventually giving the, being given their chance. Um, yeah. I think a third round pick was um, perfect. And I guess Lou Lamorello knowing Engvall in his past, there's something about him, And yeah, I guess that's why they won. They wanted them, but yeah, overall, I think pretty good trade. Um, ended up working out in our favor, I think. Oh, definitely. I think, um, as you like, you allude to there with, with the Ingvall, uh, basically lacking uh, the it factor, and he can, he can, he can, uh, like, as you said, have a good stretch of games. But I mean, when it comes to the playoffs, he seems to be a very quiet kind of guy, and uh, for for uh, for a big body, he's not super heavy, but for a big body player, he sure lacks the physical element. 
which uh, what is what Toronto, Toronto needs. I want to push this idea on you guys. And I tweeted this on last night. Do you remember uh, when Toronto had uh, Abe Kubel? Yep. Yeah, remember when Abe Kubel didn't fit into Shalkiev's system because Shalkiev didn't want that style player? I do. And and now Sheldon Keefe has a whole bottom six full of players. So could you imagine Achari, Abe Kubel, and Sam Lafrey on one line? Oh That's three God. players that play the exact same way. That would literally be your Yanni, Gord, Coleman, and Goudreau line. Yeah. But they got rid of Abe Kubel because he didn't fit into Sheldon Keefe's um, system at the time. Meanwhile, in three, three games, I think he had 13 hits for Toronto. Now he just signed a one one year extension with the Washington Capitals, and he seems to find his home. I think he's playing on the top line. So I mean, Washington is kind of a uh, an interesting team because they're kind of on the the down low, like they're on the like they're basically could be in the playoffs, but it could be the first year in a while that Washington's not in it. So um, he kind of found a home there. But yeah, I was just thinking about last last about last night, like. Could you imagine if Toronto didn't get rid of him? And then we would have had him also in the bottom six? Like, that would have been – I mean, I guess technically Zach Eisenberg could do the same thing, but he's not as quick. He's not as good a four-checker. He's good at breaking up the cycle and closing the gaps on the opponents, but he's not the best at uh, when it comes to speed and getting up on the plate of four-check, which is what Sam Lafferty and Willichari can do, as well as Abed Bell. So, um, yeah, just a little interesting that, that we had him. And, and then we got rid of him because Sean Keefe didn't like him, and now Sean Keefe has no choice but to like those style, style players. So, uh, so Kyle, in your opinion, what was most needed, offense or defense? Uh, I think defense. I think defense was was something that we that we uh, needed for sure. Because I know I've mentioned in the past that uh, I wanted forwards, but the top six forward wasn't wasn't a guarantee. Um, add that we needed and um at first we thought o'reilly was that um but obviously being center um we've got a ton of centers so with the playoffs upcoming we're gonna have him at third line um depth so i th- i think the defense is what we needed um there was just some um untrustworthy i guess you could say um defensemen that we have um that were a little bit iffy in the playoffs um and i think that that was the position that we had needed and obviously we've added that with shen gustafson um and mccabe um and obviously gustafson not the toughest guy but the other two guys bring toughness and i think that's they fulfilled that uh that role that they wanted i think defense for sure offense you didn't really need that big of an improvement besides the bottom six maybe adding a little bit more physicality or more defensive minded players in the case of an achari or sam lafferty because you already have matthews you already have neeland you have marner you already have Tavares. you added o'reilly who are all offensive um stars within the league and on defense, you were kind of relying on players to play above what you expected them to play in the case of a Justin Hall or a Connor Timmons or even a Jordy Ben, Victor Mete. So adding Gustafson, Shen, and Jake McCabe, I think, 
vastly improve their defense, which allows the other players to play more of a role they're suited to as opposed to attempting to make them play roles that they're not really comfortable with. Yeah, I was surprised on how many people thought Gustafson was a gritty defenseman. It's like, no. It's not like yeah, that. Not, not even once in his career was he classified as that, but so many people were like, oh, we got grit with Gustafson. Like, we did it. Uh, we got a power play specialist. We got a replacement for Sandine. Um, and we got an experienced uh, defenseman in the playoffs. I think he's got 38 games of playoff experience or something like that. So, um, I mean, obviously, a good experience on the back end. But, yeah, I was definitely shocked. All right, so you, you answered that you think uh, – what you think of offense and defense. Uh, what, what Do you think that Kyle Dubas and least needed to do more? Um, I think that the Leafs, um, did as much as they could, to be honest, um, to go above and beyond. The only thing that I would have done is maybe get in a, um, extra goalie, um, just because we know of, uh, Murray being a little bit injury prone, but other than that, I think he did everything that he could covered defensemen cover grittiness um you got your uh, bottom six depth forwards added in there um o'reilly i guess you could even put as a top six um depending on where uh, keith plays them but as we've seen so far and probably what we'll see in the playoffs is third line center um just to add that uh like a shutdown line but yeah i think he did everything that he could um To add like another top six forward, I don't know if that was 100% necessary. Um, so yeah, I think he covered whatever he could do because uh, yeah, it was just the goalie thing. I I wouldn't say they necessarily need to do more. I think I, I'd agree with Kyle. Maybe a third goalie. So, but you already have Wall and and Shongren who who can fit that role. But if they wanted to add someone who's more of a sturdy backup caliber to play the third role goalie then I think that would work but I think mine is just kind of nitpicking as getting rid of Justin Hall and Alex Kerfoot because I don't think specifically Kerfoot this year I don't think he's been playing as well as he has been past seasons but adding what they did I think was not only shocking in the case of a few players like O'Reilly and Achari and Gustafson but yeah, I I just don't think they they really needed to do more other than just personal preference of who I wanted them to get rid of. Yeah, I think I think his 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 thinking on that was Joseph Wall is is supposed to be uh, like the next backup goalie slash goaltender in the future. So, uh, but you are right, uh, Samsonov and and Murray haven't had the best track record with injuries. So yeah, third goalie that's an angel caliber that can win games in the postseason would probably be best. Um, interesting thought though. If do you think it would have been different if Matt Murray was on LTIR to the playoffs? Do you think at that point then he would have said, "Okay, let's go get James Reimer, let's go get a Kevin Lincoln"? And... I think so. I think it's just the fact that uh, just to begin with, Joseph Wall or Sh- and Shalgren, both of them, just with regards to how many games they played in the NHL, they're not. I would consider them not experience i know shalgren's got more time um in the net in the nhl than uh joseph wall does but 
Um, you can't have those two go um, into the playoffs one as one of them being the backup if uh, if Murray was hurt on LTIR. Um, let's say, yeah, let's say he didn't – wasn't coming back for at least the first round of playoffs. Um, I would have said that, yeah, they need to go and get a uh, – obviously the trade deadlines happened, but like a Jonathan Quick – Reimer, Lankinen, like you said, one of those guys that uh, has had some more minutes in the net as an NHL goalie than uh, your AHL guys that might be a little bit more uh, nervous coming up and have the butterflies. Yeah, I think like you knows that a little bit with just Wall too, because like in, in the in the in the AHL he was like what fourteen and one, fourteen on one, and then he lost his first game and. Although he battled um, in the second game, also just saying, I know it's spring training, but I just got a notification: the Blue Jays are winning sixteen to four. So, with that, then, are you like with the uh, like with the goaltending needing to be? Would you have traded, or are you happy with Justin Hall or Alex Kerfoot both staying? Or like, if you had to move one, would it be Justin Hall? Would it be Kerfoot? What's your What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I kind of just answered this question with my personal preference of who I wanted to leave based on what Toronto should have done or if they did enough. Uh, but, I mean, Spencer knows this. I think Kyle knows it at this point that I've been clamoring for Justin Hall to leave the team since he joined the team. Since I saw him sitting in the press box when Mike Babcock... Mike Babcock, Mike Babcock says he wasn't said he wasn't good enough to play, and everybody got mad at him. Now everybody's jumping back off the bandwagon and saying Toronto guess needs to get rid of him. Um, in terms of Kerfoot, I mean, I like Kerfoot. I think in the past years he's played the role that he needed to play on the team, but with the additions of Lafferty, Achari, O'Reilly, um potentially Matthew Nye's coming, potentially Robertson next year, playoffs maybe. Um, home, uh, the, all the guys from the minors, uh, Abruziti, Homework, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. I think he's kind of outstayed his need on the team. And, yeah, he's good for the role he plays. He can move up and down the lineup. He can play top line, second line, third line, fourth line, penalty kill, power play, whatever you need him to. But, like I just said, with all the players you've added who can now fill into those spots, uh, he doesn't really need to be in those spots, nor I think at this point does he really need to stay on the team. Yeah, it, it'd definitely have to be Hull. Um, nine defensemen, I don't think it's fair to be scratching guys. Um, it, with that much depth, You, I, I just don't think you need nine defensemen. Um, Kerfoot's been better as of late, I think. Um, but yeah, Justin Hall, um, he's been trying to step it up the past couple day, the past couple games, but, uh, yeah, nine defensemen when at least seven or eight of them should be playing. Um, yeah, Justin Hall should have been the one to go. Yeah, I think. I agree with that 100%. Obviously, this 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 show is not a Justin Hall, not a, just, a pro Justin Hall show. Um, with that, though, I think Kerfoot, like Elliot Freeman reported that the reason why they got Minnesota to retain hard on 
um, the additional part on O'Reilly was because of that, uh, because they wanted to keep Kerfoot. So, I mean, obviously, Keith likes Kerfoot. Uh, interesting. It will be interesting going into the offseason, though, if Kerfoot does sign a new contract and, and what that contract looks like if he does sign with Toronto. Uh, because Keith and, and obviously Kyle Dubas really like him so much so that last night in the Vancouver game, they put him on the top line. This is the most intriguing part of the podcast, I think, coming up is is the rumors of the, of the people that the Leafs were in on. Uh, there's rumors that they're in on Matisse at home. Uh, they're in UC Saros, uh, John Gibson, Eric Carlson. Obviously, not all of these are true, but Elliot Freeman did report last night on 32 Thoughts that Toronto was in on both Matisse at home and they touched base with Eric Carlson to try and get that deal done. But Eric Carlson, or sorry, San Jose didn't want to retain all the cap that took. I were I I personally would have thought it was interesting, like if they would have done the Air Carlson deal. Uh, I think I would have preferred a. Uh, it's hard because like I I would like Air Carlson on a team who wouldn't, but at the same time it's like, do we need him? Maybe, but could we have gotten the guys Exhibit A like what we did with the same cap space that he makes, you know? So. Uh, I don't know what, which one of the rumored guys that Toronto was in on there. There's Jitrin, there's tons of different guys. Which ones were you guys interested or you personally, Kyle, interested in the most? Um, out of all the rumored ones, I mean, I think Ekholm would have been good, but you saw what Edmonton had to give up for, for him. Um, and I think, obviously, uh, McCabe's not... Matthias Ekholm, but um, McCabe, I would say, is uh, like a discounted Ekholm. Um, he can still, they all, they both do the same, uh, the same things. Um, both good de- two-way defensemen. I'd consider um, McCabe a two-way defenseman. He does have a little bit of offense, um, but we know he's pretty good defensively. And... Um, Matias Alcon brings a little bit more offense, although we've seen Edmonton not play him on the I think I don't think he's been playing on the first power play unit. In uh, uh, Edmonton, no, it's Evan Bouchard. Yeah. So but I mean Bouchard's a very offensive defenseman. But um yeah, I think uh Ekholm would probably would have been the one that I would have gone for. Uh, going back to my point of uh, us needing that those defensemen. Um, he's big defensemen. Uh, he can stick up for your for for your forwards or other defense if they're to take a big hit. Um, yeah, overall, Matias Ekholm would have been my pick. Uh, yeah, I mean, Reed Schaefer isn't the biggest uh, prospect to give up, but they did give up Tyson Berry, which uh, <laughs> think about Tyson Berry on in Roman Yossi on one power play unit. That is their top power play unit. That's, they, they're not running four forwards. They're running three defense, two defense, or three forwards, two defense. And, you know what I mean? They're both highly skilled offensive defensemen. So that'll be good to see for Nashville. Uh, Scott, do you uh, want to take a stab at this? Uh, which rumored leaf uh, would you have been most interested in? I know in past podcasts I I would have I've said defense depth bottom six guys I do like the addition of Ryan O'Reilly I 
don't really feel like any of the guys that have been listed so far, Chitrin, uh, Carlson, Bertuzzi, etc. I don't really see them fitting in with the team. It would have been nice to have a young defenseman, I guess, in the case of Chitrin, but I feel like the, the role that he wanted on a team, Toronto already gives to Morgan Riley, so I, I feel like he would have been out of place. And other than that, I, f- I, I don't really... I don't like the idea of rentals, especially big-name rentals in the case of like a Carlson or whatever who are probably just going to leave in the offseason for another team that they'd rather prefer to play for. So I like the additions Toronto made and of the guys that were listed here or other rumored guys that maybe weren't brought up, I, I don't really feel like they would have added anything more to the team than what Toronto already has. All right, um, so for me, I think there's a few. I think um, uh, Jacob Chitrin would have been interesting to me because he brings a lot of what um, Jake McKay brings, but a little bit more offensive. Uh, and he's, he's 4.6. I mean, I, I would also have liked Sharon to get Jake McCabe as well. Um, the other one of interest that I think would have been surreal if Ron would have got, and I love Samsonov, but would have been UC Saros. If they would have got UC Saros, then. Do you think, do you think that they would have given, given them up though? I mean, probably not. Like the Predators probably not. Not until they're in a hundred percent full rebuild. But apparently the draw checked in on him. So, I mean, um, I don't necessarily think that this was ever a rumored of trade, more like probably Kyle did it the diligence and try to check in on anyone and everyone. But could you imagine? Because, like, every every day that passes, it's the first round of the playoffs now is going to be the fact that Toronto has no Vasilevsky and Tampa does. And Tampa, Toronto has to beat Vasilevsky and score four or five goals a game to beat him and this, that, the other. Imagine if they had UC Saros because that goaltending conversation, like, although Vasilevsky is better than UC Saros, in my opinion, UC Saros is still like top five, what, top five, top six goaltender in the league. So, I mean, it would have shut down those things. Also, I'd just like to point out, I personally, like this season, yes, but I personally do not believe that Samsonov is that much worse than Linus Olmark. Like, Linus Olmark is having, an, a, like, probably a one-off season. He probably won't ever have the season again. But I don't think Samsonov is actually, like, if they had a standardized season, I don't think Samsonov is any worse than Linus Olmark, to be honest. So that's where I think that Toronto has the advantage on Boston. Is Although Boston's got a a bruiser team, and they can basically grind it out. I think Lance Olmark and, and especially Swayman are, are not any more of a bigger upgrade on Samsonov in a regular season. Lance Olmark obviously has had. He's, there's, if he keeps this up, like I don't, I don't think that that's ever going to happen. I don't think, like if if Vasilevsky couldn't keep this up when they're in Tampa Bay season in 2019 or whatever, Lance Olmark's not keeping this up. So. 
based on that, like, who who do you think Toronto has a better chance of, of beating? Like, who do you guys think? Do you think it's Tampa? Do you think it's Boston? Obviously, we're we're meeting Tampa in the first round, but if they get past Tampa, do you think that it'll be just as hard to beat Boston, or or what's what's your thought? I think it is Tampa. We kind of know how they how they play based off of last year. Um, um, their only deadline acquisition was Tanner Janelle, um, which we've seen them add big physical bodies like that before, where they kind of do everything. Um, we saw that with the Nick Paul trade uh, the year before, and we know how he plays. But I, yeah, I think we we have a one-up on Tampa right now um, just because so far in the regular season, Tampa has not played like they did last year. Um, I think they lost the last seven of nine games or six of nine games. Um, yeah, uh, Tampa's not lost nine of 11. Nine of 11 games, yeah, so even worse than what I had said. But, yeah, I think uh, I think their, their core is getting older. Um, Stamkos and Kucherov and um, they're all like, I think they're like close. Well, Stamkos is 30 or something like that, but they're all getting older. And, um, Vasilevsky as well. Um, we know how they play. I think we got one up on them. Boston's just looked way too good. And I can't believe they added that much at the uh, deadline. I, I really wish, uh, I think you said something about. Bertuzzi being on the Leafs. Oh, yeah, that's another one, yeah. That was rumored, yeah. Right? So he would have been nice to be on the Leafs. But, uh, yeah, I think just their acquisitions that they they added, like Hathaway adding him to the bottom six when you've already got, like, Greer, Frederick, all those guys, um, Noshek. Like, just to add Hathaway in there along with Orlov. Like, you guys have got, like, a crazy unreal team right now. And then Bertuzzi was just the icing on the cake there. So, I I don't know how anyone's going to beat them. Obviously, if the, Leafs, if the Leafs go up against them in the playoffs, I have got to say that the Leafs will put up a fight. But, uh, yeah, that wouldn't be until after the first round, though. But Tampa would yeah. be my I, w- I would probably agree with that. I just want to mention four people so they know. I mean, it's probably already known because people don't just wait for our podcast to get news. But uh, Tanner Janelle was straight to Tampa for Cal Foot. Uh, a 2025 first, 2024 second, a 2023 third, fourth, and fifth. Plus Cal Foot, sorry, that basically is a whole draft class that they gave up. Uh, for Tanner Janot, which apparently there's reportedly supposed to be locking up for, I think it's going to be around six years, 2.5 million or seven years, 2.5 million. So he's still going to get in that $16.20 range, just in a, in a Nick Paul style contract. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Trump technically has a chance to be both. I think if, if they meet Boston, it's obviously going to be harder. I think uh, Boston on the East is, in the East, it's going to be Toronto's hardest point. If Boston loses in the first round and Tampa loses in the first round and Toronto advances, I think Toronto could beat the Rangers, the Devils, and, and Carolina. I don't think that last year I would have said the Rangers, they're not, of a, they're not much of a grinding team anymore. They have a lot more finesse. 
than they did last year. They got rid of Reeves. They brought Tyler Mott. They got rid of Sammy Blay. Uh, they got rid of Andrew Cobb. Um, uh, the Devils, I don't see the Devils even really being. The, the Devils are going to, I think, like be a trial in the first year. They're, they're going to have a little bit of success and above average success, but I think that they're going to struggle because it's basically their first time in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I think draw is going to be able to beat Tampa hands down. It's not going to be easy, but uh, Vasilevsky is the only thing that they have to worry about, really. Kedman's not having as good a year. Kudrov is having an all-par year. Stamkos is having an average year. Braden Point, like, I think I think Boston's going to be the hardest opponent on the East for Toronto. With that said, looking long-term in playoffs, I think Boston might be the hardest opponent for anyone in the playoffs, and I think that for Toronto, the best thing that could happen is Boston get beat in the first round. Because if they can make it on the first round, and I don't know what your opinion on this is or your guys' opinion on this is, but if they can make it on the first round, I think I think that they can. Toronto can beat can, Toronto can go hand in hand, toe to toe with any other playoff team. Okay, I don't think Edmonton gives them just too much of a worry. Vegas, Seattle, like all these teams are. I think Toronto can be better than I think Tampa or Boston's the biggest or the hardest opponent they're going to face. Yeah, so um, let, let's talk uh, playoff matchups if we were to start right now. Obviously, we still have 20 games left in the regular season. That's a lot of time. But uh, especially with the buildup in the uh, Eastern Conference uh, wildcard, um, we know that there's um, six points separating uh, six teams in the hunt for the wildcard spot. So let's let's say uh, we were to start today, we'd be seeing Boston against Pittsburgh. Um, you think Pittsburgh would have a chance to beat Boston? Um, yes. Uh, I mean, truthfully, deep down, I, I think Boston's probably going to try and potentially win the whole, whole thing. Like, I think that they might win the whole, everything. Like, I don't know how many times they're going to lose in the playoffs. But the, the good thing about Toronto or Boston playing Pittsburgh or potentially the Islanders is they're, they're veteran teams. They're, they know the grind. They know what the playoffs are, especially the Islanders. They're a physical team as well. For Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh's got Crosby and Malkin. And if Crosby can turn it on, like, like Crosby was the McDavid of our time, you know what I mean? Yeah, like when we were kids, this was this was Crosby. Crosby was the McDavid. Crosby was the put your team on the back. So I don't think that Crosby doesn't stand a chance against Boston. Like, what do you think? Yeah, no, I I wouldn't see it being a complete sweep. Like, you'd see you'd see Pittsburgh put up a fight for sure. Um, obviously, the odds makers would have have a big on the uh, the Bruins, but uh, yeah, like you said. They they're a playoff team with a lot of uh, a lot of veteran presence, and they know how to play in the playoffs. So uh, yeah, if Pittsburgh or the Islanders were to play Boston, it'd be much closer. Um, if we saw a team like Buffalo or Ottawa go in there and have to face Boston in the first round, I I don't think it would be a very very close round. Yeah, no, I think Boston would walk off those teams. Uh, who's next? Then Pittsburgh, Boston, or was it Carolina Islanders? 
Yeah, it would be Carolina against the Islanders. That would be a good round, I think. Yeah. Um, Devils Rangers. Yeah, sure. That would be really good. Oh, Devils Rangers. Yeah. And then the Leafs in Tampa, obviously. Um, yeah, I think, uh, like, for Carolina, I think Golden is an issue. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've seen Fred Anderson firsthand. Uh, the series that I think would probably be the best besides Toronto Tampa would probably be Devils Rangers. Yeah, the fact that uh, the fact that they're so close to each other um, with regards to like uh, location, like yeah. just imagine the atmosphere inside those buildings. Yeah, it'd be wild. And on the west, who do we have? In the west, yeah. we'd have uh, Dallas, Colorado. Um, Vegas, Edmonton, uh, Kings, Seattle, and Winnipeg, and Minnesota. Okay, sorry, you went too fast. <laughs> Dallas, Colorado. Yeah. Uh, Edmonton, Vegas. Yeah. L.A. and Seattle. And Minnesota and Winnipeg. But obviously, their wild card's a little bit different than what we see in the East right now. Um, the only team that's kind of just outside of the wild card there is uh, Nashville. They got 68 points, whereas the second wild card team, uh, Colorado, has. 73 points, and after Nashville, well, I guess Calgary as well. Calgary's got 67 points, Nashville 68, Colorado second spot in the wild card with 73. After that, you're not really close. The Blues are eight points back of uh, back of Calgary. Uh, I'm saying right now, Minnesota Van- or Minnesota Winnipeg. Minnesota Winnipeg would be the best series in the West, I think. Um, with that said, I think also if Vegas and LA can meet in the first round, that'd be cool because Jonathan Quick. Um, but Minnesota, uh, Winnipeg, they're literally like so close to each other, so that would be good. Um, so uh, just early playoff predictions. We'll skip ahead a little bit, and then we'll come back just to talk about the the whole trade deadline as a whole. Uh, we did early playoff predictions. We have them written down. Um, I chose Toronto out of the East, Dallas out of the West. Kyle, who are you picking? That's your pick right now? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll take Toronto out of the East and out of the West. I'll go with Vegas. And, 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 um, I mean, Scott kind of went with a strategy here. He chose Minnesota. Um, Minnesota's got a grinding team, man. Felino and Ryan Reeves on one line together. Have fun. Yeah, I would not want to be on the ice with those two. 
So, I mean, Spencer just kind of gave away my my picks here, but I did pick uh, Toronto. Surprise, surprise. Toronto podcast, Toronto fan, picking Toronto to make the Stanley Cup. And then, as Spencer just said, I, I did pick Minnesota. Um, and I'll, ju- I'll just give reasoning behind Minnesota because, obviously, everybody expected us to pick the Leafs. And if they didn't, then, surprise, we're Leafs fans. Uh, I feel like Colorado isn't playing as well as they have been, especially last year where they kind of got hot. And I feel like they're kind of falling down a bit based on the reputation they had going into the season. Edmonton is in the same boat as Toronto in past years where they have a high-powered offense. But I I don't feel like they have the best defense or goalie tandem to to make a push to a Stanley Cup. Um, Vegas, I I guess you could say Vegas. But I don't know. I just feel like Minnesota is going to get hot at the right time within the playoffs and, and make a push past whoever they're playing. To, to make it to the Stanley Cup? Uh, so let's just quickly get a word from the, the, the show sponsor, uh, and then we'll we'll throw it into just all-around uh, trades, which one we like the most, and then uh, touch on a few more things, and we'll wrap her up. Alrighty, so we'll be back after these words. Stay with us. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoop action to the palm of your hands with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sportsman partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 and win $200 on free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place the same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. One of the games I'm going to be betting on tomorrow is the Toronto Raptors to beat the Houston Rockets and the Phoenix Suns to beat the Boston Celtics. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sporting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See notes for details. So we'll get into a little bit of trade deadline. So there's a few things I want to talk about here. Uh, JVR trade fell through. Apparently the reason that I heard uh, via Twitter, one of the reasons is because um, I guess there was a chance of retention on, on the salary of JVR and I guess DBY didn't want to do it. They also needed more time to, to, to make a trade and I guess that was Oscar Sunquist who also went to Minnesota which makes Minnesota an even stronger team to play against like physically. Um, so JVR stays put in Philly uh, yeah, so take that, Mike Johnson, <laughs> yelling at the insiders to give more details about a trade that they didn't even know was really going to happen or not on national television on the trade deadline day, like you're kind of some kind of important. Yeah, if they knew, they probably would have told you. The information that came out afterwards is exactly what they were telling you anyway, so I don't get why you were yelling at them. He's taking a lot of heat because Philly barely the Brendan Lemieux, Zach McEwen deal. I don't think that is is enough. Um, they're a rebuilding team. They're, they're one of the worst teams in the league. They needed to basically clear some cap, but they didn't. Uh, the other interesting note that I just want to touch on quick, uh, Klinberg gets traded at the last minute. It's a reason for this, for those of you who don't know, I'm sure you probably know, Kyle, is basically what happens is when two GM, GMs are, are talking trade, they've got the pro scouts, they've got their assistant GMs, they've got all these people sitting around them. 
and the assistant GMs on either team. So in this situation, it was Minnesota who got Klinberg and Anaheim who traded them. Uh, they'll be sitting there with approximately probably like two, three, four tabs open. And one of the tabs is going to be an email. And they've got numerous emails uh, tabs open because of uh, the different registries and the people in the registry. Uh, and they're basically saying like uh, Minnesota acquires Jacob, Ch uh, sorry, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Klinberg for, uh, who was it? Suster, this person and a couple draft picks. They send that in as long as it's in before two. 5990 or 259.59, one second before the deadline hits that three, and the other team has that exact same email sent in. The trade will then go into the pending trade call, into the queue, and that trade can get done. So that's why a lot of people were tweeting Jacob Trichin, or sorry, Jacob Trichin, I don't know why I keep saying Jacob Trichin, uh, Klinberg. Um, a lot of people saying that Klinberg didn't get traded because it wasn't in, but it was actually in before the queue, which is the reason why he got traded. Anaheim signed the guy for $7 million at the start of the year, hope to get a big bang in the return. They really didn't. So, um, Anaheim kind of shit the bed on the return for Klinberg. I mean, I guess it is what it is. So the Ritchie brothers got traded for each other, which is the first time that's ever happened in the history of the NHL. The two brothers were traded for each other. The guy mentioned last night on Hockey Night in Canada that I guess I think was Jeff Merrick who mentioned that there's a chance that they're just going to probably swap houses. It's kind of cool. I know you don't have, you have a sister, right, Kyle? I do. You don't have a brother? Nope. Okay, so let's just say you and your sister both play professional sports in the same league. Would, do you think it would be cool to be traded for your sister? Or do you think that would be a shitty thing because one person's going from, like, the worst team probably ever assembled to a chance that you could make the playoffs? That'd be, yeah, that'd be a little weird. I don't know. I mean, I... I guess it would be good because you guys like they're doing. They could just swap houses, so you don't have to worry about rent and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, like, for that sense, it would work out pretty well. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. I'd be kind of annoyed, like, to be traded traded for him. Like in your in your case, like traded for let's say you and Scott were traded, like to be traded for each other. Like yeah, I think that'd be kind of strange, but it would be one of those talking points that lasts for the. The history of time especially in your family right because like i'm sure when when two brothers play each other in the nhl and they go back for christmas dinner and one one has a really good game and the other one has a shit game they're they're talking about it that's probably the most awkward thing i wouldn't have a problem with it uh, i mean i guess this this situation matters too like if if we're both top end players in the league being traded for each other i think that would be cool and this is no offense to them, but if we're bottom six guys who are just role players on a team that don't really matter that much in the grand scheme of their team setup, I, I feel like it would just be another trade. The moving houses thing would just, that'd be a bonus, but I feel like the, the, the scenario we're currently in in our careers would have a big impact on how we view the trade. And But yeah, I, I wouldn't, I don't really think it would affect me all that much. A major trade that happened, L.A. acquired Vladislav Gavrikov and Jonas Corposalo in exchange for a conditional first in 2023, a 2024 third, and Jonathan Quick, an end of an era. We saw this happen twice with Patrick King going to the Rangers and Jonathan Quick going to the Columbus Blue Jackets, then flipped to Vegas. What's your take on this one? Do you think they should have kept him? Um, I, th I think they only said, um, I'm pretty sure I heard that 
they only traded quick because it was something to do with the cap, right? Yeah, it was cap related. Yeah. So in that in that situation, um, I mean, quick was quick's thirty seven years old. His time's kind of over being a starter, as we've seen the last couple of years um, with the Kings. Bring up Peterson, try and get him uh, lots of starts, and um, with the production that Copley's uh, been having this year. Um, Kind of had a feeling Jonathan Quick could be on his way out soon. Um, with regards to the return, um, Blue Jackets got a pretty good return for those two, knowing that um, Gavrikov uh, probably wasn't going to resign as well as uh, Corpusalo. Yeah, I think it worked out perfect for for. LA, they've got two solid goalies now. Um, Copley obviously hasn't shown a ton. Um, I think he was a backup for Washington. Um, yeah, he was. And now he's kind of, I'd say he's, they're like a 1A, one, one 1B one um, duo. I wouldn't consider one a number one starter and the, the other one the second, uh, the backup. But um, yeah, I think they, They've solved that because um, they've been looking for goalies for the last couple of years now, it seems, um, with Quick not being the same as he obviously was back when they won the Cup. Um, what was it, like seven years ago or something? Yeah. Um, uh, fun, fun fact about Phoenix Gobbley, he was born in... Do you know where he was born? I have no idea. The North Pole. He was born in North Pole, Alaska, <laughs> which hilarious. isn't actually the North Pole, but uh, yeah, he was born in North Pole, Alaska, United States, which is, uh, I guess, he was Santa's elf. I guess so. Well, Santa's elf's been pretty good so far this year, the nineteen four and two record. Yeah, and and the the funny thing is, is like apparently from what people are saying that cover the Kings, they're not calling up Cal Pearson. Like this is like this is the duo they're going with. They liked Corpusala. Corpusala has almost identical numbers in the back half of the season since he's come back from injury. As Matt Murray, who's been fairly decent for Yeah, I'd say no. Um, I mean, I get the the whole team loyalty thing where he's been on the team his whole career and he's helped them win Stanley Cups, but I just feel like his his time in LA ran its course. I mean, well, even before this year, I think his time in LA ran his course. Uh, but and then because of that, and relying on him to play net, they didn't really have a backup plan. They kind of just have a mismatched tandem of goalies that they're relying on. Now that they have Corpusello and Copley, it seems to be working out a bit for them. Yeah, I, do, I, I don't see what they did as doing him dirty because. The team is making moves to put them in the best chance to win, and I don't think he helps them do that. And yeah, like I said, he's been on the team his whole career. He's helped them win cups. But I mean, if if you get mad at that, I mean, it's I guess it's it's reasonable. I I don't see it as as a big issue because the team wants to win. He probably wants to win, and uh, neither of them really, I guess, saw the their their partnership as working out, so they moved on. I th- I think, and then the 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 statue outside the stadium, the the twi- the social media post 
all the the hoopla about that. I don't see that as a big issue either. Eventually, he'll probably get some kind of honor by the team. It didn't happen right now because, I mean, they they probably didn't plan on trading him up until maybe like last week. It seemed like, and then they they got a better goalie upgrade based on his play this year. So, I feel like the team's going to honor him eventually. Maybe not a statue, maybe jersey retirement, something, whatever. But yeah, I I don't see it as doing him dirty because every every move the team makes is trying to help them become the best team they can be. And right now he wasn't helping them do that. The only thing I don't like about it is like, the only thing I don't like about the quick trade is, um, I guess they really didn't give him any notification that it was happening until after it happened. Like there's no like, hey, uh, this deadline, you might be moved for cap reasons, for roster spots, for this, that. Uh, they, They legitimately just, told him after the game it was it, no one knew I, I think the only person that knew on the team was on the Kopitar because obviously he's like the main leadership core there um, but yeah I guess he, he knew but yeah they didn't tell Jonathan Quick until after the trade happened which was kind of shitty on Rob Blake's part but I guess it is a business and with businesses or with the business side of hockey also comes the personal side of hockey with players and their families have to move and it might be easy for the players to you know, uh, get acclimated with their teammates and, and have the team take care of them. But the team also takes care of the families. The team also takes care of the wives, the kids, and, and gets them set up, helps them get set up, helps the player shop for a new house if they're staying long-term. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it is shitty, but it, it's like, look at Luke Shen's situation. He's not going to join the team for the rest of the week from Toronto playing Vancouver last night to potentially Toronto playing in Toronto this Saturday in Edmonton. Because his wife's having a baby and he wants to be there, and he's renting ice so he can practice with uh, skills coach that stayed there with him. And um, yeah, so like obviously some NHL teams are top notch and some NHL teams are shitty. Uh, in terms of other major moves, is there anyone else other other sorry other another major move that stood out to you? Um, we got the Patrick Kane deal, obviously the Timo Meyer deal, uh, the Vlad Tarasenko. Uh, um, there's minor moves too, the Chitrin, the Bertuzzi, the Klingberg. Yeah, well, the the one thing that I'm I'm sure you'll agree with this, but I was just um, I think we've talked about this before on our uh, in our chat, but uh, the return for Tanner Janelle when you know he's he's an RFA, but you kind of got the idea that he's going to sign, but still, like you said, to give up a whole like ton of picks like they did i was pretty amazed by that but i was kind of laughing at, at it as well because it's damp obviously and that's one of our biggest competitors but i was like okay for you guys to like give up all your picks for like the next like four years or whatever what like six picks they gave up and it's not like yeah. they're like sixth and seventh round draft picks um for them to give up all of that and get tanner Janot, I was kind of uh, kind of questioning, like, is he worth that much? Like, One of the dumbest trades I think I've ever seen in my life. And I said this to Spencer. I, I can't remember if it was on or before the deadline. Like, the, the actual deadline day, not the, all the trades that have happened last month. But, like, Stevie Eisenman got so much credit for building this team. And then the new GM also got credit for the team that Stevie Eisman built. 
And I, I just don't see that the decisions he's made in the last year and a half are, are on equal level of, of Stevie Eisenman compiling the main parts of the team before he took over. And then this Geno move, I think, just added to that sentiment, giving up almost a whole draft worth of picks, plus a promising young defenseman in, in Cal Foot for Tanner Geno, who isn't having as good a year as he had last year to play in your bottom six. I, 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 I didn't get it. I know people online are like, oh, he's the replacement for this player who's going to leave. And maybe so, but is he, is he worth giving up five, six picks and a promising young defenseman just so he could fill a role of a penalty killer? I, I, I don't think so. I, it didn't make any sense to me. To be honest with you, I was a little shocked that, uh, that they gave up picks in 2025. 2025, this team could be a completely different team. Exactly. Um, And if you think about it, I think that they gave up, what, three first-round picks? I think they gave up three first-round picks for Brandon Hagel last year, plus two prospects, or two minor league players. And then they gave up a first, a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, and Cal Foot. This is another reason why I think Toronto could be Tampa because Tampa's not making they're making stupid choices, but also on their defense they just trade Cal Foot. So now they have four NHL defensemen and three in their in their last three defense like their five six seven are all Meyer league players. Like they don't they're not even using uh, what's his name Phil Meyer. Like it's, uh, he's in the minors. They buried his cat. They uh, they're using like three nobody players. Like so Toronto's defense is deeper. Matthews going up against not Victor Hedman is going to be awesome. Um, but yeah, I think that that deal also stood out to me as uh, like, a, what the hell are you doing? And the I think the deal that that reminded me of like the old days, like early two thousands. When I mean that's not I know that's not old. I, I guarantee he's kind of blocking at that. Um, but uh, the deal that 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 stood out to me was the Dima Meyer deal. It was just an older school hockey trade. Where it's basically like 14, 15 pieces all, all together, picks, prospects, players, roster players going the other way. Uh, and then obviously Scott Harrington, who was part of the deal, got claimed by the Ducks off players, but Timo Meyer joins uh, Siegenthaler and Heischer, uh as three Swiss players all playing on one team. And uh, allegedly, I don't know if this is true, but allegedly New Jersey called about Densmore because I think Heischer, Mulgan, and Meyer one uh, one uh, line for the Swiss hockey team. So there's a report. I think it's just basically people saying because there's a connection, and that's how people make mostly make rumors. But that would have been funny. Um, also, speaking with Dennis Morgan, Dryden Hunt, Toronto trade Dryden Hunt to Calgary for a Miami player. Uh, if he scores a goal this year, he'll set the record for most goals scored in one year by a new team. This is 14. Um, yeah, uh, is there any other deals that stood out to you? Um, no, no deals in particular, but uh, there was one team, uh, well, Carolina Hurricanes. Um, I don't know who was talking about them. There was some analyst or 
whoever it was. Um, and he was like, yeah, like Carolina has done nothing. This is went back when, um, when teams were starting to do the deals and Carolina had done nothing. They're like, oh yeah, Carolina's just going to sit tight and they, their team's already good enough. They can just go and win in the round, uh, round one and just basically make it to the Stanley Cup final. Like that's what this person was saying. Um, make it, or at least to the Eastern Conference final against Boston. But um, yeah, to, for Carolina, um, they were sitting tight and then they go out and get uh, Jesse Pugliarvi and then also oh, yeah. got Ross to spare. Yeah, Shane Gossberg is going to be like a potentially third-line pairing guy for them too, which is funny because their yeah. defense is so deep. Yeah, he's just, he's going to be the smallest guy. I think everyone on their team is the defense is is over six feet, and I think he might be over six feet. But I think he's five ten. I think I saw. He's definitely not the um, biggest guy. What's uh what who were your winners and losers of the deadline if you had to choose one team? One winner, one loser. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if I can choose just one one team. I I'd just say the winners winners of the Eastern Conference and I'll name like the Leafs, the the Bruins, the Rangers, the um who else was good? Uh Devils, all these playoff teams, like they just went out and they they all at least got a B plus A minus in my my books for grades. But yeah, all those teams like this is the first time in a while where we've had a deadline. Um, not deadline day, we'll say because obviously we know that deadline day was pretty boring. But trade deadline, um, couple of weeks where it was crazy exciting, and you're seeing your stars get traded from one team to another. Like Tarasenko, Meyer, Kane, like it's pretty unreal. Uh, the the Kane trade was uh, I'm glad it's over. Yeah, That's, that was my opinion on it. I was kind of tired of hearing um, all the rumors, though. I don't know about you. I was tired of hearing all these rumors about these guys like Chikrin and Kane, like. Like when is it going to be over? I I'd agree. I um, I think the East. I was just sitting there while you guys were talking, trying to think of a significant move on the level of adding Tarasenko, Patrick Kane, Ryan O'Reilly, or Tyler Bertuzzi, and I guess maybe L.A. adding Gavrikov, Corpusella, but I don't see them on the same level as the guys the Eastern Conference teams added. If I had to pick a winner of the Eastern Conference teams, I think I would pick the Rangers. Yeah, I like the moves the Leafs made. Yeah, adding Bertuzzi to an already stacked Boston team is good, but like uh, Rangers added Tarasenko and Patrick Kane for not even really a lot given up. Like they they added two superstar players to a lineup of already established superstar players. And they didn't have to give up any of their name guys on the roster to do it. So I, th- I think just based on those two trades alone, I, I, I think the Islanders won won the deadline. Or not Islanders, Rangers, the other New York team. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. So what's your thoughts and on both the third-party broker, 
do you like it? And also, what's your thoughts on the weeks weeks to months leading up to the deadline, making the deadline quiet? Uh, did you like that? With, with regards to the third-party broker, um, I don't mind it. I'd say I'm neutral about it. Nowadays, um, these guys are getting paid a lot more, and money now is a big thing obviously it was a big thing back then but i'm just gonna say like this day this year um money in the nhl and what these players are getting is a lot different than what it was let's say in 20 2010 right um yeah so i think that third party broker is kind of needed um in order to get some of these deals done otherwise it would get crazy complex and these general managers are just I don't know. Yeah, you just need that third third party broker. And if the team's got uh got money, why not use it? Like to get some uh some draft capital back, why not use it, right? Yeah. I agree. I know Scott's not a fan of them, but uh I uh like whatever helps your team win to be honest. Um, no. I I hate them actually, and I've said this since Oh, I guess the O'Reilly trade. Um, I, 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 I don't get it. It, uh, it doesn't make any sense to me why. And maybe this is just me. Other people could have a differing opinion, whatever. But I, it doesn't make sense to me why a team like Minnesota or Arizona or Chicago or Columbus would help Toronto, Tampa, Boston, Ottawa, etc., by adding cap to their team so that the other teams can get better and all they get in return is like a third round draft pick. If if I was a GM of the NHL and a team came up to me and said, "Hey, uh, we're gonna well, we want you to retain twenty five percent of this guy's contract and we'll give you a third round draft pick," I would say no, because then it puts them in a situation to have to do other stuff that could potentially make their team worse. It just it doesn't make sense to me why they're so buddy buddy. If, like I, and I know Arizona or Columbus or Chicago have no chance of making the playoffs, and I guess maybe at some point that third round pick could turn out to be something for them, depth piece or otherwise. But yeah, the uh, retaining cap as a third party broker so that Toronto can get better, so that Tampa Bay can get better, so that Boston can get better, while your team still isn't improving, doesn't it? Doesn't make sense to me. And in terms of the trades leading up, <laughs> I did mention to you guys as a joke that they should put a freeze on the week of the trade deadline because, like, it, it ruins the trade deadline shows. Uh, yeah, watching those trade deadline shows the most boring thing I've ever experienced. I, I watched the whole TSN and sports messing. Uh, boring as hell. Absolutely boring. I liked the fact that the trades were happening, and I liked the fact, like, in Toronto's case, they made three trades in, like, 15, 20, 30 minutes. Like, that was... That was a wild thing. Ellie Friedman said hearing Sandine Ingvall, hearing Ingvall to the Islanders, hearing Shen to Toronto. Like, it was just like, it was the craziest time. I was like jumping around. I was so, I was so excited. But also, like, it would have been nice to have some, some kind of action that wasn't just um, a JVR trade fall through and uh, a Klingberg trade at the last minute uh, happening. Uh, I mean, 
I guess in a way it took away from the actual broadcast. I don't think it really took away from the day. Um, having that excitement leading into the deadline made a whole bunch of people probably want to watch deadline day. Although you, you probably could have or should have known that not a lot of stuff was going to happen because a lot of stuff had already happened. To make a counterpoint to that, the last couple of years where there's been a few moves before the deadline and then all the moves happen on the deadline, the broadcast has also been incredibly boring with almost half of it dedicated to random segments, music videos, t-shirt cannons, at least in Canada anyway, uh, t-shirt cannons, et cetera, et cetera, just to fill time. So, And I, I don't see it changing. I feel like next year and the years leading up, teams are just going to keep doing this trying to add the pieces they want a week, two weeks, three weeks before the deadline so that they could have more time to build chemistry with their teammates. And if that affects the broadcast, then that's the broadcast problem, not the NHL. I said the suspenser, though, uh, the day of the broadcast, like the deadline broadcast on TSN Sportsnet or ESPN, I guess, in, in the States, um, to, the, the, the networks can just counter this by instead of having one eight-hour day of broadcast – just have deadline week where they broadcast for two hours, an hour and a half a day leading up to the day of the deadline. And then the day of the deadline they could do from like 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock where they just talk about the trades that have been happening, the trades that happened that day. That pretty much equals the amount of time they'd be on air on deadline day anyway, but instead of sitting there for six hours doing nothing and then talking for an hour and a half, they could just be talking for an hour and a half every day leading up to the deadline. I think that maybe I don't see them doing that because they seem to like broadcasting that whole day just so they could have something for James Duffy to talk about for six hours, for TSN anyway. But I don't know. I just thought that was a, a cool way that they could incorporate the, the current trend of the trades happening is that they could make it deadline week instead of deadline day. Um. But yeah, again, I, I don't see them doing that. And I, I don't see... Well, I do see it being a problem for the broadcast, but again, the, the teams, the, the league won't care because that's not their priority. If TSN or ESPN or NBC or Fox or whoever the other American broadcast sports networks are uh, have a problem with it, then the league doesn't necessarily care because as long as the trades get done and the games get shown, they don't care about the excess or extra broadcast shows that the, the networks do. Oh, another sneaky pick for me for the, one of the better trades. I think this one's going to be good. Jordan Greenway to the, to the, uh, to the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I really like Jordan Greenway. He's a player performer. Would have liked him on the Leafs. Um, but yeah, uh, to the, to the Buffalo Sabres. So, uh, watch out for the Buffalo Sabres, who could potentially force a playoff spot, but also next year will probably be a, hopefully, fingers crossed, a lock, because when Buffalo is good, it makes Toronto's Buffalo, Toronto Buffalo's rivalry better. I just sent this to the group chat two seconds ago, uh, and I'm also going to mention Scott in this, too. Uh, Atlanta Thrashers potentially coming back to the NHL. Oh, wow. There has been some reports out. Nothing concrete. Kevin Weeks shared this like some Twitter page. that says NHL to Houston. Uh, your 33rd and 34th NHL franchise, franchises could be the Houston Arrows. Um, 
and uh, the Atlantis Rogers. Apparently, I forget where else I saw this, but apparently, I think it was like Bill Daly or something said uh, that he would say they're looking at potentially growing the game back in Atlanta because Atlanta is now, uh, I guess, uh, I don't even know what, what it would have changed, but yeah, so your thoughts on that? The Atlanta's Rogers potentially coming back to the NHL? Yeah, I mean, um, I I wouldn't mind it. I think that, uh, like, we know Atlanta's a big city. Um, and um, obviously in the, in the NHL, they've been in the NHL in the past. I don't see why not. Um, that's I think that's a risk that they can they can take for sure. The best thing about new teams coming into the NHL is the expansion draft. Yeah, I love that. It's great. Yeah, I I love the fact that. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're you're starting fresh. Your franchise is starting fresh, but also the fact that you get a pick from each team. And lastly, the thing I like the one the most is that it helps Toronto because they can clear. I mean, last year in this year, last time in Seattle, freaking Seattle expansion draft, they kind of shot themselves on the foot by trading uh, for Jeremy McCann and letting him walk. But uh, it, it will help Toronto down the stretch um, when all these contracts are coming due and you know they need to get Matthews done. If they, if this was like two years from now, three years from now, Lance is back. Matthews, if he resigns, he'll be in one year or two of that contract and. If they could, if they could move out, say, uh, let's just say Morgan Riley. Not that that's ever possible, but if they could move on from Morgan Riley, say, uh, then that would definitely help their team, right? So things like that that I like. But uh, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn on this one too. I mean, I think I, I also like expansion drafts. I think they're a cool concept, but. With 32 teams already in the league, I I don't really see them needing to add more. Uh, and yeah, Atlanta is a big city, but they've already had two chances to have a team there in the what was that late 70s with the Atlanta Flames moved to Calgary, the early 2000s, late 90s with the Atlanta Thrashers moved back to Winnipeg. So unless Gary Bettman is going to treat them the same way he treats Phoenix or Arizona and, and keeps them afloat even though they're not it's not working I, I don't see them putting another team in Atlanta although again I have no insight knowledge or any kind of expertise on the subject so just my opinion Houston I think would be cool because it creates the rivalries with Dallas and, and uh, the other southern states around Texas like Arizona or Nashville and they used to be a WHA team, so that's also cool. You could bring up the history there. But, yeah, I I just – at this point, with Seattle just coming in and Vegas only four or five years in, I I don't really see the need for another two expansion teams to already be – or to come in when the two that you have, currently have don't really have that established uh, franchise history yet. Like it was, what, 20, 20 years? Because Columbus and them came in in like 2001 or something, or yeah, and then Vegas came in in what 2018, so almost 20 years or 2019, um, and then yeah, so it just seems like, and I get they want to grow the game, they want to draw hockey fans in, especially in the American market, but 
if if you actually listen to or watch any kind of American broadcast on sports, they have no interest in hockey. First take the other day, they asked which New York team you think will win this, the, their championship first in the coming years. Whoever their co-host was, with Stephen A. Smith and Molly Caram, said the New York Rangers. And both Molly Caram and Stephen A. Smith said that the Rangers don't matter because they play hockey. Literally, Molly Caram said three times that they don't matter. And Stephen A. Smith repeated the same joke he's been telling for 30 years of the only thing I know about hockey, the puck is black. Not saying that there isn't, obviously, hockey fans in America, because there is, but I feel like this let the game grow naturally with the teams and markets you have. There's other markets that they could move to. Obviously, Canadian hockey fans are clamoring for Quebec to get another team. I think putting another team in the northeast New England part of the United States, Maine, Connecticut, to rival Buffalo, the Rangers, Boston would be cool. Maybe even like a Wisconsin team or a Milwaukee team, that would be cool. But I don't I don't really see the importance of adding 15 southern state teams when the so far those teams aren't really working and they're just costing other teams money. I think you should if you're going to add more teams you want to grow the game then focus on areas that do enjoy hockey first and then progress to add smaller market teams after. Yeah, so um I mean we got through it. it wasn't easy. Uh, we had to obviously tape this thing or, or try this thing like four or five, four or five times or whatever. Um, uh, the final recording might be a little bit on and off because we're going to have to cut out some technical difficulties, but we finally got through it. So thanks for seeing Thanks for hanging around, guys. Um, and we'll be back with you now every Thursday, just as usual. Uh, so make sure you follow our page. Check out the Hockey Podcast Network, which uh, is in a partnership with us. Um, Check on our sponsors, Raycon and DraftKings. And also, again, next next Thursday, or this Thursday coming up, Kyle will be back. If he's on the pod, uh, he'll be back with a, uh, a betting segment. Have a good weekend, or have a good rest of your weekend, whatever's left of it, and uh, take care. Take care, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.